So there's something mesmerizing and irresistible about seahorses. I mean, they look like they could have just swum straight off of the pages of a book of fairy tales. And yet there they are swimming around the oceans, real creatures in the world today. So I've been fascinated by seahorses for a very long time, um, by their strange behavior, by their curious appearance. So I decided to write this book, Poseidon's Steed, um, to look into some of those things, to, to understand more about their weird biology, to answer some of the big questions that are thrown up by these little creatures. Things like, why do they look the way they do? And how is it that they evolved to be the only animals that we know of in the entire animal kingdom in which it's the males that get pregnant and give birth? So I wanted to answer questions and think more about these wonderful creatures, the seahorses. And also, seahorses have captured human imaginations for hundreds and thousands of years. You know, people have found these curious things, often maybe dead, washed up on a beach, but they, they see these things that look like tiny dragons. And many people have wondered what they are and what, where they came from and, and all those sorts of questions. And they've told stories and myths. And, and so seahorses are really these creatures that are sort of surrounded by this, this aura of something different, something special. So that's another reason why I wanted to write the book. I wanted to talk about those stories of the seahorses and how they form this lovely ancient connection between people and the oceans. So I was both fascinated and surprised when I found out for myself that seahorses aren't just these exotic creatures that live in distant, faraway places, but that you can find them pretty much anywhere, actually, along any of the coasts of the world, apart from the, the very cold places. Um, and you can find them in some pretty unexpected places, too. So I've seen seahorses along the coast of Britain. A lot of people wouldn't think that they live there, but they do. And in fact, right there, next to all sorts of things that we're doing, human activities are just going on side by side. So I've, I've just waded in off a beach um, in my scuba kit, um, swam just a few meters out, and there's a seagrass bed. And after quite a lot of looking, seahorses are quite hard to find. They're very well camouflaged. Um, but I found, yeah, I found some seahorses and they were right there. And people don't really realize that, that they, they, they live right alongside our lives, these wonderful sort of secret hidden creatures. So there's a very specific and a very serious threat that affects seahorses today. And that is the global trade in dead and dried seahorses. Now there's a very big demand for seahorses to be made into traditional Chinese medicines. This has been around for hundreds of years, but right now there's a really growing demand for, for seahorses to be made into all sorts of remedies that are used for treating things like skin conditions and asthma. And you might know that it's kind of notorious that seahorses are made into a kind of a love potion. So when I wrote the book Poseidon Steed, I talked about the trade in seahorses. And at that stage, a few years ago, when I wrote it, we already knew that the trade was pretty bad. It was pretty big, um, estimated to be maybe around 25 million seahorses a year. That's really just an estimate. We don't really know how many, but we do know that it's big and it's getting bigger. So, for example, in the last, just in the last couple of years, there are a few signs that the trade is it's spreading further around the world than it has before. Um, so when I wrote the book, there was no recorded trade in seahorses from West Africa. But now, in the last few years, that has really taken off. Um, and we think that's partly because some of the seahorse populations closer to Asia, where this demand comes from, 
are being wiped out. So the trade is spreading globally further and further. So now we think maybe up to 260,000 um, seahorses a year are coming out of Senegal. And that's one species, there's one West African seahorse species. So there's a huge pressure on that particular part of the world. And, and those kind of stories happen worldwide more and more. Um, the good news though is that awareness is, is growing about this problem and, and things are being done. So the seahorse trade comes under the international convention called CITES and so really now all legal trade at least has to come uh, with the approval that every single consignment actually comes from a sustainable source. Now that isn't happening at the moment and that's what we're realizing right now and some countries are actually taking steps to kind of halt the trade. So actually just a few weeks ago, Thailand, who are a really big supplier of seahorses, they have suspended their trade in seahorses completely for now. And they've done that because they know it's just not sustainable the way it's happening, but they don't know what to do about it. So they're going to stop the trade, try and figure it out. And conservationists are helping them do that. I mean, we're pushing not to ban the trade. The idea is that if we can make it sustainable and may have much less of an impact on wild populations, then maybe it's okay. And so I think steps are being taken. It is a bad situation, but I think we're now pushing in the right direction. If you want to tell stories about your science, my piece of advice would be to tap into your passion for your subject. Think about why it is that you became a scientist in the first place and, and talk to people about that. Um, I find that uh, trying to get across your own enthusiasm for the subject is a really effective way of getting other people to, to care and to be interested in what you're talking about as well. So, so yeah, I think it's all about, yeah, why did you start being a scientist? Think about that. What is it that gets you out of bed every day? Um, what are the exciting things that you're finding by looking at the world in this new way, in this particular way as a scientist? Um, I think someone who's doing a really wonderful job of that right now is um, a scientist called Hope Yaren. She's just written a book called Lab Girl. She's a biogeochemist. She studies the intricacies of plant life to understand the past. Um, and she talks a lot about the kind of the stuff she, that goes on in her lab. And it's not really obvious for most people to connect to that kind of science. I think it's really quite, you know, it's far removed from our experiences, but the way she talks about it and her passion for what she finds is so infectious that you really go away wanting to know more about it and, and seeing the world also in a different way. Seahorses are really in the firing line of climate change. And in particular for seahorses, it's because of the threats to their habitats. We know um, that warming seas are having a big impact on things like coral reefs and seagrass meadows and mangrove forests. And those are three places that a lot of seahorses live. So as those are getting affected by climate change, the seahorses obviously are going to suffer as well. Now another side effect of climate change that's specific to the oceans is ocean acidification. Now this happens when the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere dissolves in seawater and uh, it makes the pH drop. Now, we've seen since the Industrial Revolution that uh, the oceans have become 30% more acidic than they were. And that's likely to increase in the future, and we, we know that's happening. And, um, and the reason this is a problem is that there are lots of creatures in the sea that live inside shells and skeletons that are made of calcium carbonates, basically chalk. And as the pH drops, as the water becomes more acidic, those shells and skeletons become weaker, and eventually they will dissolve. So big problem for things like reefs is that the corals that build the reef, they have skeletons made of calcium carbonate. The reef itself, the physical structure is basically chalk. 
And so acidification is adding just another big stressor to reefs piled on top of um, warming and, and other problems we see as well. So um, there are scientists who are looking pretty gloomy about the future of reefs right now. I mean, we're working really hard to do stuff about that, but some forecasts say that possibly reefs as we know them aren't going to be around by 2050. Um, and if that happens, or, or if the, the rate at which we're seeing coral reefs deteriorate at the moment, if that continues, it's going to be really bad news for seahorses. And of course, thousands of other species that also live on coral reefs too.